0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 381. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey Kevin. Hi. This year's Fantastic Fest has officially kicked off its virtual edition. It's called Celebration of Fantastic Fest. So they're 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 separating it a little bit from the, the proper festival. Uh, but we'll be going over this year's festival and reviewing the stylist which just had its world premiere there, I think, last night. Uh, we're recording this on, on Sunday. Pretty sure it premiered yesterday. Uh, we're going to also talk about some of the watching on the watch list, along with some of um, the other Fantastic Fest stuff that I checked out so far. And we're going to go over this week's releases on VOD and Blu-ray as well. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Just one bit of housekeeping to go over. New episode of Saved by the 90s dropped last week. Uh, we talk about offbeat comedies released in September of 1998. So we talk about Pecker, Permanent Midnight, Clay Pigeons, and Slums of Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, was a, that was a fun one. Uh, Slums of Beverly Hills holds up tremendously well. The other ones, not not as much, but there's there's still some some fun to be had and a good discussion there. Uh, with that, let's get into our Fantastic Fest stuff. So the festival just started on Thursday, September 24th. So there's not a uh, a whole lot that we can talk about just just yet because uh, we're only a couple days in. Uh, This year's Fantastic Fest is going to be running from September 24th to October 1st. And the cool thing is you can watch everything online. So everything is, like, streaming. And most of, at least from what I can tell, most of the screenings are free. Uh, So you just have to RSVP for them. And they do, like, live. It's like a live screening type thing. So there's an actual, like, schedule. And you, it goes through this, this, um, service called scener, which is, allows you to sort of live watch, th- um, movies with groups of people. And it's sort of like Twitch, I guess the the way that it's set mm-hmm. up, there's like a little chat room. Uh, but what they do is they, when the movie starts, they sort of tell you to put it in full screen and not watch the chat anymore. Unless it's one of the kind of special events that they do. Like, they did this one on Thursday that was really great. Uh, it was the, part of the 100 Best Kills series that they did at Fantastic Fest, and it was um, all decapitations. So it was like this. It's, it's like this really awesome. This is this really great compilation they did where it was just all decapitations in movies. And it was super fun. Uh yeah, so if you go to fantasticfest.com, you can check out the schedule, you can RSVP for all the events and the movies. Um it's not I guess one thing I have to say is because they're sort of separating it from regular Fantastic Fest, it's definitely not like chock full of movies like the actual Fantastic Fest, like or or, e- or even some of the virtual editions of like Fantasia Fest. Like Fantasia Fest was basically the same as it always is, but just virtual. So there's de- it's definitely more of like a shortened, more truncated version of the festival. But they're definitely doing what they can. I really appreciate that they're t- still doing these like sort of events. Like they're doing the Fantastic Feud, the trivia uh, program. And, and all of tr- trying to fit in all of the really fun things that Fantastic Fest does into a virtual environment. So I, I think that's really cool. And you still feel that kind of sense of community that you do when you're at, you know, physical festival. Yeah. With that being said, I think we can jump into the stylist. This is uh, written and directed by Jill Gavarghizian. I have a synopsis here. A Lonely hair stylist becomes obsessed with the lives of her clients and descends into murderous madness this is the feature... I believe this is the feature debut from Jill Gravizian. Um, I do see a movie here called Dark Web. I think that that's an anthology. Yeah, that is an anthology. Now, this is adapted from a short film that she also made with the same name and the same actors, Uh, same star, at least. Uh, Najara Townsend stars... I did not see the short film, so I can't compare it to that. Yeah. According to the Q and a that, that she did after the, the screening last night, she said that the, the movie was sort of always meant to be a feature, but uh, when she was developing it, it because she was a new director, she was not a hundred percent comfortable making it into a feature right away. She, she wasn't that confident So that's why she started out with it as just a short film. But Kevin, we'll start with you. Uh, What were your initial impressions of the stylist?
1: It's, uh, it's pretty sick. It's far sicker than what I was thinking or what I was expecting. Uh, and I, I fully appreciate the, the effects work. Mm. And I think that was the thing that, that got me the most is like when, when the, when the gore happens, I thought it was a very uh bold move to just, like the camera's just fixed on it really like it just happens in real time with the camera like not you know what I mean like mm-hmm. they don't they don't take any shortcuts they they make it happen
0: no cutaways and it's
1: really dis- no it's really disgusting just like extremely disgusting which uh was pretty pretty shocking
0: and it happens for me yeah the the first bit of gore happens in the opening scene of the movie like it happens right off the bat so you're just like and you know it sets it up it sets it up for you what, <laughs> yeah. what you're in for there's here no, there's no like
1: this isn't a, like a slow burn build-up i mean it kind of is but like in terms of what the stylist claire does like you know what she's all about within like the first five minutes.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's actually one thing that I found to be a little bit refreshing with this movie is that we start off with her already uh, feeding her homicidal needs, yeah. you know, like usually with a lot of these movies, there's like a buildup to that point, like where, you know, you know, she's a little bit off and she's, she's battling, yeah. she's grappling with something in her, in her head, in her mind. And we know that she's going
1: she to surrender.
0: Yeah. We know that she's going to give into it at some point, but we don't know when, but this movie opening scene, we're like, okay, all right, she's already there. Like she's already hit a yeah. breaking and point.
1: It, yeah. And it's not only that she's already hit a breaking point. Like when you, the the way that, in which the first one plays out, like you kind of feel like she's a veteran at this.
0: Oh yeah. Like this has to be like
1: number eight, number nine.
0: Well, yeah, like I mean, she's deep in her career. <laughs> I mean, when they, um, like late, like after that, when they show her like little basement that, that like little setup she has in her basement and you see the other quote unquote wigs, yeah. uh, then you, you like, you know, like, okay, yeah, she's, she's been doing this for a little bit. She's been yeah. at it. She's been at yeah. it for a while. She, she's honed the technique.
1: So Yeah. And I mean, so that right off the bat, you know what she's all about and it's just a matter of it happening again. And I got to say, because this is kind of difficult to talk about because you don't want to ruin it because there is like a large gap in between, you know, the first and the last. There's one in the middle, but obviously it's a build up to the one at the end. And I got to say that was that went somewhere that I was not thinking. I was like, no, they're not going to they're not going to do that. So that I I found that shocking as well, because that that's a deeply fucked up scene. The way that this movie ends is really fucked up. Kudos <laughs> to Jill on that, because <laughs> fucking hell.
0: Another another thing I learned from the Q and A last night was that she, when she was developing the story, she started with that end scene. Like that was that was like the building block. So the the finale yeah. is where that that was like the initial idea and then she built the rest of the story around that that big climax which is yeah. which is yeah it's definitely it's definitely fucked up it's definitely a, a shocker like i didn't know where it was going at that point and i was like i mean obviously something there was going to be a big crescendo well, yeah. happening
1: and it feels and it feels like that's the inevitable conclusion once it once it starts to kind of play out, once that once she gets that setting, but there was this this overwhelming part of me that was like, no, you, that's that's too dark. I think we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then sure you know, they give you a little teasing it out, and it's like, oh, I think they're going to go for it.
0: Bravo. One thing that I also liked about this movie, so. Aesthetically, tonally, it sort of felt like a cross between a Brian De Palma movie and uh, like an Abel Ferrara movie. Like I was getting I was getting some maniac vibes in there and, and just kind of the, the grunginess of that. But then also it had she she likes there's like a lot of sort of color work in here and it, liberal use of split screen that is a was a little bit hit or miss for me. So uh, so, I liked the, the sort of the the aesthetic of it as well, and I liked the setting. I liked that it took place in Kansas City. Like, you, what 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 movies do you see take place in Kansas City? Yeah, and I just I found that to be refreshing. Just the fact that it oh this is not like some gritty grungy New York movie or an LA movie. This is Kansas freaking city. Yeah, yep. I liked that, and interestingly uh the 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 writer director uh she's in the movie as well and she's also she works as a hairstylist in real life to my knowledge oh, okay. to my knowledge she still works as a hairstylist actually in Kansas City so
1: Kansas can't oh man
0: yeah there you have it so it's definitely a uh, a topic that uh that she's very familiar with
1: hopefully not too familiar. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean the hairstyling part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also have Bria Grant in here who plays opposite uh, N- Najara Townsend. And Bria Grant always great, multi talented uh, actor. I think
1: like she's in like one movie a
0: week. Yeah, she's been this year. She's been really, she's been really busy. A movie because she she was. She wrote Lucky, which is coming out. Uh, that's playing festivals right now. and Yeah, on the 12-hour shift. And she she stars in Lucky as well. And then she directed, wrote, I think wrote and directed 12-hour shift. Uh, which is, that's pretty pretty good too. I would recommend checking that out. Yeah, she did write and direct that. That's the one with Angela Bettis that, I, where did I see that? Fantasia, I think. Yeah, I think so. And then she's in she's in this movie, so yeah, she's had uh quite a quite a busy year both in front of and behind the camera, so. Yeah. Props to everywhere. her. Uh Najara Townsend is a she's a producer on this movie as well. I think she joined uh the, so the director uh who also goes by Jill 6. She started up a like a production company and and brought Najara Townsend on to, to work in uh, her company. And uh, I remember her from that movie Contracted, which I absolutely hated. And I like, I remember just tearing that movie apart. Yes, I remember. But that. but uh, I always said that she did a good job in it. Like that, I yeah. thought that the movie was bad, but she did a good job. And I think that she does a really good job in this movie as well. I've, f- I don't know. I, I I'm a little conflicted with the character of of Claire because she's clearly a a complex character. I feel like maybe I wanted a little bit more, just a little bit more out of that character. I don't I don't know if more like more emotion, more background, just a little bit more detail as to like who this person is and why they ended up like this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, know it seems it seems like a an odd endpoint
0: to just be lonely
1: just scalping people
0: i do like that it was almost as if she was she had this like extreme jealousy with her clients and to the point where like she somehow she felt like taking their hair like it, it somehow like inhabited them like she she somehow like Took over their personalities. I, I just I find that whole thing to be really fascinating. Just the how important hair is to people. I was reminded yeah, of yeah. I was reminded of that scene in Greener Grass, which I think is like it's just this really small scene, but I think that it it says a lot when they're getting their hair cut, and as they're cutting their hair, their hair is like bleeding all over the floor. I don't know if you remember that scene. Yeah.
1: Yes, I remember that.
0: But to to me, that like so perfectly represents how we look at hair and how how important it is to us as a representation of like ourselves. And I think that this movie sort of reinforces that, like the importance of how your hair looks.
1: Yeah, it just takes it to a sick, dimension
0: place. <laughs> yeah, which
1: because she does kind of do that, like randomizing where she just keeps putting all the all of them on, and like essentially like doing little impersonations of the person, mm-hmm. which was just really, really, was unsettling. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, to me, this movie is equal parts, deeply unsettling, but also very slow and kind of slightly uneventful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a bit <laughs> plodding, and I feel like, so it is an hour and 45 minutes long. I feel like it could have been truncated down a bit. I I would like my goal was to try to see the the short film before talking about it here on the show, but I didn't get a chance to see it. I don't know if it's like available on Vimeo or anything, but I wanted to see the short film because I feel like maybe maybe this would be a story that works better as a short. Although I believe the short film is only 15 minutes long, so I don't I feel
1: the short film is probably just like that opening scene.
0: Yeah, probably, probably. you know
1: the the twist at the end
0: yeah so i feel like maybe maybe a feature i think that this probably does work better as a feature-length film but there is a lot of downtime here there's a lot of build-up and a lot of like uh claire just living her life and just trying to hold on to what little bits of sanity she has like you can tell she's trying to keep herself under control but it just not not working for her
1: yeah right and that's the you know because a, a good chunk of the middle of this movie is just kind of like the dude she becoming obsessed with three fans character mm-hmm. kind of like a swap type deal yeah like, like that like they're developing friendship or whatever well you know obviously claire takes it a little bit too far she kind of invests a bit too heavily and and it seems like this is like a turning point for her because she's able to like close up the cellar. She's going to be a normal person, but uh, it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out for Claire.
0: No, no, it definitely doesn't. She uh, she just she just can't do it. She can't can't not can't not.
1: Uh... She just makes people a bit too uncomfortable because she she doesn't have this good social skills, and uh, unfortunately for the other people, it ends up. Uh, leaving them without a scalp.
0: Over overall, I overall I enjoyed it. I think that it's. I, I'm very interested to see where this director goes next. What what we what she has in store for us next.
1: Oh, definitely. Because I mean, this is definitely different. It's it's definitely fucked up, but not in a way that's just like kind of lazy. Where it's you know, just how many people can I kill? What's the most fucked up way I can kill people? Like this is. Like the, the the killings make sense in like the entirety of the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's tied in. It's not just you know gruesome and disgusting for the sake of being gruesome and disgusting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, uh, that's the stylist. Definitely keep a lookout for that. Uh, I'm sure that this is going to get picked up, like without a doubt. This
1: I mean, this, d- this d- is you're d- talking about like the one of the most disgusting endings. It's just the, the the circumstances around it. Like the the actual violence itself is what you've already seen. But the circumstances have changed and it makes it deeply fucked up.
0: Yeah and and, and she was smart to end it where she did too. Like there like yeah. where it ends, it's like that's the perfect that's that's you don't want to go further than that because that'll dilute it. Yeah. So you you end it where you do, and it and it that's just that's the perfect exclamation point at the end. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, I think that this is going to get sold very easily if it hasn't been already. Like this, this is an easy an easy win for whatever whoever picks it up. Uh, all right, let's give it a score. Kevin, what are you going to give the stylist.
1: I give the stylist uh, six and
0: a half. Nice. I'm sitting at a round of six on this one. Yeah, definitely yeah. worth a look for sure
1: yeah yes. Yeah. uh
0: i guess i guess i'll start it off by talking about a couple things that i saw at fantastic fest also i started off with my, my goal is just to watch everything that's there it's it's a pretty small list so i'm looking to to watch everything that's that's uh screening there and uh the first thing that i saw was teddy this is Directed by uh, Ludv- Lud- Ludovic and Zoran Balkerma. Probably mispronouncing that, and I apologize. This is a French uh, kind of horror comedy. It's a werewolf movie, actually. And mm-hmm. it's sort of a pretty standard werewolf movie. It's basically a, a cross between American Werewolf in London and Carrie there's there's some like carry elements in there as well where it's about this this young man who gets bit by a werewolf and is turning into he's slowly turning into a werewolf but there's also a little bit of uh kind of social commentary in there as well where i couldn't help but feel like this this dude is sort of an, an incel a little bit <laughs> a little bit of an incel where he gets dumped and just like that's sort of the, the catalyst for him to just completely lose it. And I thought it was it was fine. I mean, this is a relatively low budget movie, so they can't do they can't go nuts with the effects. And so how they sort of make up for that is that they kind of turn it into a body horror movie. And I was messaging you about what was going on in this movie, and uh I, I watched the Q and a for this after the screening as well. And they were basically saying that like when they were working on the script, they made a list of the, the, the most uncomfortable things that they could come up with. And it just included those in the movie. Um, one of the things is there's a scene when this guy has a long black hair that grows out of his eyeball and they do a close-up of him plucking this hair from his eyeball, and it is so cringe-inducing. Uh, may- maybe the most cringy thing I've seen all year. It, because it looks so real, too. Like, it looks like there's a freaking black hair growing out of this guy's eyeball. Uh, there's a scene involving uh, fingernails being pulled off, which is always unpleasant and there's this there's also a scene when he wakes up and his tongue is hairy like just hair covered on his tongue so he decides to shave his tongue oh. so there's a tongue shaving scene as well
1: Disgusting.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah it's <laughs> it's pretty rough <laughs> um but overall i thought that it was it was okay i didn't I didn't know if I really liked the the messaging because like I appreciate that they were sort of exploring they were taking this werewolf story and they were putting it into a contemporary setting and using it as a as a way to I guess comment on the um Sort of increase of, you know, um, mass shootings and things that are happening in the world, and I just don't know if that necessarily worked for me, because the character, uh, the main character played by Anthony Bajan, we're supposed to like him. Like he, he, he is sort of a uh, sort of a likable character at the beginning. He has this sort of uh, nice, uh, like sweetness to him. Like he's taking care of his, I think it's his aunt or his grandma. I can't remember. Um, so, so you kind of like him, but then like he gets dumped, and you know he kind of turns into a psycho, a douche, and I don't know. I I don't know if that really gelled with me, but gotcha. Yeah. So overall, uh, a little. Kind of straight down the middle on, on Teddy. I also saw Girl, which is directed by Chad, Chad Faust. And this is starring Bella Thorne and Mickey Rourke. And uh, Chad Faust is also in there. Uh, this one also did not work for me too much. Um, I, I So Bella Thorne plays this unnamed character who is going to this small town in order to hunt for her father and kill him. She's trying to, she's trying to kill her dad. And she, when she gets there, she ends up finding him and she discovers that he's already dead. Somebody else already killed him. So now, wow. she, so now she's like, well, what the hell's going on here? So she starts looking for clues and hunting around this town to figure out who killed her father and why. And she discovers that there's like this This uh, rumor about him having a whole bunch of money buried on his property and it turns out that there's this like sleazy dude and this corrupt sheriff, played by Mickey Rourke, um, that killed him looking for this money. And once they find out that that she's his daughter, they go after her. The thing that really suffers with this movie is the script. It's just this really average script and it's designed to be this like sort of female empowerment movie, but it never comes off as being that way. Like they were just like, Oh, well, you know, the movie, the movie's called girl and she doesn't have a name because she can represent any woman and all this stuff. And it's just like, do you think that many women are in this? Like, I I get that. It's sort of, she, she plays someone who's been abused and neglected her whole life. And certainly that has parallels to women everywhere, but this specific situation that she's in is definitely not the norm for, for women, women where her dad gets murdered by a corrupt sheriff and this corrupt sheriff is hunting her. And there's this bag of money involved. Like it, none of it works. Like the dialogue's pretty hit or miss too. Uh, Chad Faust actually does a good job in it, but everyone else is middling at best. Bella Thorne is not good in this at all. She's an executive producer on this as well. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, did not, I just couldn't get on board with girl. It, at the end of the day, it was just this really average crime thriller. So yeah, I can't, can't really recommend that. And I, I don't. Uh, possessor also screened at fantastic fest now this was an in person screening that was in um i can't remember it was at the Alamo slaughter lane uh location. I think i'm gonna hold off on talking about possessor until okay. closer uh-huh. to closer to release time uh-huh now uh, that's that's all I saw so far but there's uh there's a few more things that are going to be coming out in uh, this week. So I'll probably just follow up with those next week.
1: Okay. Hopefully they're better. I'm hoping. Well, I I watched something that I know you watched. That's 1993 body melt. Oh yeah. Phil Brophy, Australian. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck to categorize this as. Just a guy, the mucus fest. Mm-hmm. That That's the genre. Mucus dust. There's this little cul-de-sac, Pebbles Court, where the people there are unknowingly being tested with this new drug, right? You've already talked about this before on the show. I think it wasn't not too long ago. It might have been last year or so. Uh, This movie's disgusting, but also just extremely entertaining. At least I found it that way. This is just out of control. This movie's out of control. And there's, again, there's tons, tons of mucus. The second phase of the, the body decomposing from this new drug is glandular, as the the scientist finds out in the beginning, where his throat's, like, ripping in half. And he keeps spraying detergent on it to try and stop it, which is just really fucking disgusting. But... <laughs> This movie, I guess, it gets really stuck on the, the second phase, the glandular phase. But the first phase is hallucinogenic, which they kind of do a little bit with. There's one guy in Pebbles Court that he has some hallucinations that are really disturbing. But more so, they seem to really be focused on the glandular, where it's just a lot of uh, like hypersecretion of mucus from all orifices. That's pretty much how everyone succumbs in this movie. And it's really disgusting. I mean, just a hats off to them, people that worked on Body Melt, because uh, it's just really disgusting looking. And it's just phenomenal to me. I had an absolute great time. Uh, a lot of people, it seems as though they didn't quite understand what Body Melt was doing. I don't think Body Melt was doing anything outside of being disgusting. <laughs> uh, I think that was their aim, you know. I think when they sat down to make this movie, they're like, we're going to make it disgusting, and we're going to do a great job with this mucus. And guess what? They checked both of those boxes off. So to me, Body Melt is a success. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember really enjoying this one, too. (laughs) It's just... This movie's fucking nuts. And it's not that confusing. I mean, to me, it was pretty straightforward. You know, making a drug has a lot of... (laughs) unforeseen consequences that they just ignore and they want to get the drug out anyway.
0: That's it. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talked about this in August of 2014. So. Oh, really? 2014? No, I'm sorry. 2016. So four years ago.
1: I was about to say, it can't be that long. Yeah. Damn, four years ago.
0: Yeah. Four years ago. A lot long ago.
1: Yeah. This is on Amazon Prime, by the way. So if you want to see some nineties goodness, just to disgusting
0: i will i also will never forget the rollerblading scene in it i know like that's just one (laughs) of the the, it's almost more notable to me than the than the actual body melting scenes
1: that's the only thing that really seemed odd to me because everyone has these these reactions to the drug and this kid a he's going to do some rollerblading at night he sneaks off to do some rollerblading Apparently, this place just has happens to have a huge, massive half pipe to do <laughs> yeah. on. Yep. So he fucking goes to town. He's having the time of his life. He crashes, and somehow, like the crash, like transformed his body, his face. But it didn't really seem like he died. He was just that he had the fucked up face like the other guy had. And then we just never see that kid again. But so who knows what he's doing? I mean, I'm sure he melted hours later but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what what happened in between that time? You know,
0: Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they need to explore it in body melt too.
1: I, I really like, I immediately, the first thing I did was look up that guy's filmography, which has nothing else. Yeah. Outside of like, I think a short film or something. I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Come on. All yeah. these fucking mediocre people that turn out absolute shit get to have you know twelve film filmography.
0: Yep. Uh, that's body melt. Definitely check that out. I saw Console Wars. This is a documentary about the uh, '90s Sega Nintendo battle that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the Super Nintendo Sega Genesis. Great time, great time to be a kid. Uh, the so this is actually adapted from the book by Blake Harris. The documentary is co-directed by Blake Harris and uh, Jonah Tullis. It does a it does an adequate job of adapting the book. Uh, I actually did read the book, and the the book is incredibly entertaining and really fascinating. I thought that. This story would have worked better as a series, like a documentary series, rather than try to squeeze it into one hour and a half long documentary. Because they they leave out a lot of stuff and they sort of focus mainly on the Sega part of it. Mm-hmm. They jump over to Nintendo a little bit, uh, but certainly not as much as they talk about in in the book. And I feel like they they just left out some sort of key things and it, it was still entertaining and they do of course being a modern documentary it is there's a lot of animation sprinkled in here as we've seen a lot lately in in documentaries but the animation is all like 16-bit animation and it's really well done like it's really good so props to them for doing that uh, and they, you know, they get all, they interview all the key players, like all, all the main people, uh, Shinobu, uh, Toyota, Howard Phillips, um, and then, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Kalinski. Like he's, he's the, the big guy who they brought in to head up Sega of America. And he's sort of the, the mastermind behind Sega's, uh, not dominance of the 90s but like certainly certainly um, brought them into the competitive space against Nintendo because if you remember like nobody was competing with Nintendo nobody could, could compete with Nintendo and then when the Genesis came out or uh, the Mega Drive as it's called in other countries like it, it for a while it was beating Nintendo Yeah, and a lot of the marketing tactics and things that they did we just really creative. And I, I think that, you know, after reading the book and looking at this documentary, like when we talk about the nineties, the being the Tude era, you know, like everything had so much attitude in the nineties. I think that a lot of it has to do with Sega and their, their commercials and the, the marketing tactics that they used where everything was like edgy and, gross and had lots of tood. And I think that they're the ones that can largely be credited for starting that. I mean, you remember those Sega commercials, right? No, I do not. What? I don't remember anything. No. I I mean,
1: I'm sure if I saw them, it would immediately jog it, but I can't can't bring it up in my head right now.
0: But you... Do you remember that like Sega was more just it was more edgy like it was more for it felt it was felt like older kids. I had the Sega. Like the cool kids. I went the Sega route. The cool kids had the Sega. I had the Nintendo
1: and then as soon as Sega Genesis came out that's the path I chose.
0: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And I didn't have Nintendo again until GameCube and then that was it.
0: Nice.
1: That's the only other thing I had since the original Nintendo.
0: I I was a little bit. I, I never chose a side. I, I was a little me bit. there. I just. I mean, it was just one of those things where, you, like, you had to because you right. couldn't afford both. Right. You couldn't afford both consoles.
1: So I never.
0: I never owned a Sega Genesis. I never had one, uh, and I didn't get a Super Nintendo until, me, like, for a long time after. They were out. I just never I don't know. I wanted them, but I never got them. Oh yeah. Anyway, uh Console Wars is on uh the CBS all access, so if you have that, it may be maybe worth a look. I would say it's it's still better to just read the book. I think the book handles the story a lot better than, than the movie, but and there yeah.
1: you go. Mm-hmm. All right, all uh, right. I watched Better Watch Out from 2017, directed by Chris Peckover. Uh, this one is this is tough. This is a tough one for me because on this is on Amazon Prime, and the the little synopsis is that here is in this holiday horror farce, okay, a babysitter must hold the fort and protect a 12 year old boy during an increasingly bizarre home invasion. Okay, I saw. Holiday farce, horror, home invasion, gets bizarre. Okay, this takes place at Christmas. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like a horror comedy type deal. And it sounds like this might get a little bit strange. Some twists and turns and home invasion thing going on. So I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. It's not that at all. It's not a farce. Like, it's not funny at all. This is a deeply fucked up movie. (laughs) Extremely fucked up. And I think that's the thing that threw me off because I was, you know, I'm kind of hoping for a little bit of a horror comedy thing here. And it's not that at all. Um, early on, the 12 year old boy that's being babysat, it like he just comes off a little creepy. Like he's kind of like an incel kid, you know, where he's like the, the nice, the nice guy, but he's going to snap if he doesn't get his way. Right. So early on, I'm thinking, oh, I hope they don't go that route with it, because it seems like it's set up that way. And to me, that's not a farce. That's just really fucked up and believable, and it's going to get awful real quick. And that's exactly what happens. It becomes really deeply fucked up and disgusting, which might have worked if that's what I was expecting going in, you know what I mean? Or that, that twist reveal wouldn't have been such a huge misdirect mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. something completely left field of what I was looking for. It might have worked, but this just became deeply, it's like a deeply uncomfortable viewing experience and I just did not like it at all. I, the performances are fine. Um, like the, the, the kid Levi Miller who plays like the main 12 year old boy being Baby's like he's he's really fucked up. He's yeah,
0: disgusting. I remember him being really creepy and
1: Yeah. and like he he plays that really, really well. Uh but I don't know. It's just just really disgusting. It felt like trying to make like funny games, but like lighthearted somehow. And it just didn't work for
0: me at all. It's better watch out. Uh I don't I don't have anything else
1: uh the only thing else i have is uh, another stephen king adaptation also found amazon prime sometimes they come back from 1991. uh this also stars brooke adams who was in the dead zone so apparently she got a lot of work in uh, stephen king adaptations and i found out because i looked her up uh she's married to tony but i did not know huh, interesting yeah so there you go uh this is based on a stephen king short story where uh, a young kid uh, back in the past in his hometown, young kid and his brother, his brother got murdered by these greaser dudes. He got blocked in the, you know, he was kind of bullied in this this tunnel. And then a train came, everyone died except for the, the, the young brother. So the young brother grows up Tim Matheson. He returns to the hometown as a teacher. And uh, the problem is, is the greasers return too? this ghost and they're killing people and he's got to he's got to right this wrong to get rid of these guys so it's you know it's pretty much what you would expect from a stephen king. great fall look great small town mm-hmm. some good ghost stuff uh the only problem is like it, i mean it's entertaining to me i thoroughly enjoy it. I, I just i'm a sucker for stephen king adaptations They just work for me for some reason. Me too. Uh, The only thing that's a little bit much is the greaser ghost. Like the one has this laugh, like it's like a cackle type thing. And yes, I understand that it's supposed to be like, you know, unnerving and annoying, but he does it all the time. Like every time he's on screen, he does the laugh thing. And it's just, it becomes overwhelming at a certain point. It's just too, it's too much. Like we don't need this guy doing his cackle laugh all the time. But outside of that, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah,
0: I never saw this. I, I, I I've had this on my watch list forever, and I just never never got around to it.
1: Well, the funny thing is, is, I had no idea going in that this was a Stephen King adaptation. Just I think my wife added it to the watch list. So we were looking for something last night. I'm like, okay, let's we'll, we'll do will do sometimes they come back. And like as soon as it popped on, you know, it's like based on a short story by Stephen King. I'm like, yes, I like it already. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever disliked a Stephen King adaptation.
0: There's always something to them to to enjoy.
1: Well, it's like even if I
0: dislike it or,
1: you know, somewhat let down it's like comfort food for me Mm -hmm. yeah like it might not be good but it's a comfort watch like it just it makes me feel good
0: i completely agree i completely agree i feel the same way which is weird because like they're all it's all always different directors and different yeah stories but it's like there's just something there's this sort of connective tissue with it with them
1: it's always it always seems to be you know autumn or winter in a small And I don't you I, you just like that setting. I like that setting.
0: And and because it's a Stephen King adaptation, there's always some kind of interesting hook. You know, there's always yeah. something to latch on to with them. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Alright, that's sometimes they come back. All right, let's go over some VOD releases, shall we? On the 29th, we have Chasing the Present. Looks like some kind of documentary. Actually, I don't even know. No, it's not a documentary. What? With that title? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is, man. I can't tell. It looks like a documentary from the little picture that I'm seeing here. A materially successful young man riddled with anxiety embarks on a worldwide journey of self inquiry from the the streets of New York to the stillness of the Ganges and deep into Mm -hmm. the jungles of Peru. He immerses himself in meditation, self inquiry, as previously mentioned in the last sentence and plant Mm -hmm. medicine to find the root cause of the problem and learn how to finally find freedom. From his crippling anxiety. Well,
1: that that does not sound interesting at all. Uh, I'm looking at the cast here and it's got Russell Brand and Marina Abramovich. No.
0: No. Uh, We also have Inez and Doug and Kira. When a bipolar woman commits suicide, her sister and her sister's fiancé become... Entangled in an attempt to discover what pushed her to the brink.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We have Alien Addiction. Looks like a sci-fi comedy. The tagline is, (laughs) the tagline is, this is good shit.
1: Addicted to aliens.
0: It follows Rico, who lives in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Life was pretty normal until two aliens crash landed near Rico's house. What? He welcomes the aliens and together they develop an intergalactic relationship of epic perfor- proportions.
1: Wow, these aliens are weird looking. They are goofy looking.
0: One has a crazy afro and the other one has a crazy bandana.
1: And they both wear some aviators.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, this looks really bad. This looks like it's a New Zealand film.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: I mean, Letterboxd
1: is saying it's from 2018,
0: so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on the thirtieth, we have American Murder: The Family Next Door. That is a Netflix documentary. It's like one of those Netflix true crime docs. It's probably, mm. probably yeah. entertaining. People can't get enough of those Netflix true crime docs. <laughs> exactly. They're enthralling. The they're inf- they're enthralling. They got they got a they got a winning formula. Those. Well, yeah. I mean, people are just obsessed with them. I mean, I watch them. I watch them. Well, yeah. You want
1: to know what happens. Yeah.
0: On October 2nd, we have Death of Me, starring Maggie Q and Luke Hemsworth. Might give that a look. We have The Antenna. This is a virtual theatrical release. In a dystopian turkey, the government installs new networks throughout the country to monitor information on... Uh, also on the second we have 2067 starring Cody Smith McPhee and Ryan Quanton. Mm-hmm. The fight for the future has begun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, we have the rising Hawk battle for the Carpathians during the 13th century. Sakar Rakut and his wife Rada led a group of Highlanders in the Carpathian mountains. And it looks like they have to fight the Mongols.
1: Mmm. Yes,
0: fucking Mongols. <laughs>
1: <antagonists>. Damn Mongols. I <laughs> get, get in everyone's business. Yeah, they just want to fight all the time, it seems like.
0: Just conquering everything.
1: They're trying to, at least.
0: We have Tokyo, Stay, T- Tokyo Homestay Massacre. Mmm. You're not in Texas anymore. Welcome to Japan. ...is the tagline of this (laughs) one.
1: (laughs) Ah, in case you've confused the two regularly. (laughs) Uh,
0: Three American late teens travel to Japan to escape a sad past... ...and have some fun but end up trapped in a house with a demented Japanese host family... ...who plans to offer them to their gods... In a sick, ancient Japanese ritual. This movie seems racist as
1: fuck. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't want to find out.
0: They need to just stop with the whole, like, white Americans just going to have some fun in a foreign country and then getting killed by the, you know, the residents and, yeah. their, and their crazy their crazy ways, their crazy rituals. Like, just end that shit.
1: Yeah.
0: does nobody any good uh, that's about it for VOD on Blu-ray this week we have Ghost Ship from 2002 we got Alphabet City from 1984 this this I, I liked this movie quite a bit New York New York City drug dealer decides to get out of the business but he has to flee from mobsters Gotcha from 1985 hmm Exclamation point on the end of that one. Memorial Valley Massacre from 1989. Killing Birds from 1987. Looks like there's some kind of Evil Dead 1 and 2 4K pack. I think Evil Dead might be the most released home media ever.
1: It's it's uh, it's definitely out there.
0: Spellcaster from 1988. Looks like there's a 4K version of... Ha- uh, Steelbook 4K version of Halloween from 1978 coming out. Grave Robbers, nineteen eighty nine. There's a three movie collection. Jaws three movie collection, and it contains Jaws two, three, and four.
1: Wait, What? Yeah. So, it's just those three? yeah, it's
0: just those three. So, Jaws two, Jaws three, and Jaws the Revenge. <laughs>
1: uh, okay.
0: You know, I don't. I've seen. I know I've seen Jaws two, and I've seen Jaws three. I don't know if I've seen Jaws four. I, I need to sure. maybe maybe that's what I'll do this Halloween is revisit the Jaws, the Jaws series. Uh, Death Rage from nineteen seventy six. Mad Max Fury Road four K. Can't imagine that that wouldn't already be on four K. But here we go. Wicked City from nineteen eighty seven. This was a really really fucked up anime. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember being very very disturbed by that anime when I was younger. The Banker from nineteen eighty nine. Cruel, cruel Jaws from nineteen ninety five. That's the fifth one. Jaws five. Cruel Jaws.
1: Man, so you gotta get Jaws one separately.
0: Yeah. And Jaws two th- five separately.
1: Yeah. I don't, but why? Two through four, you can get in a box set. Hmm. Don't yeah,
0: don't it like doesn't make much it. sense. I don't like it. Usually that has to do with some sort of, like, a, a rights thing. Like, who owns the yeah. rights to that specific one? Like, I remember there was... um oh, What was it? There was there was some box set where they were able to get... It was a horror box set. It was one of the slasher franchises. And I can't remember which one. But they were able to get, like, all of them except for one of them in a box set. And I was always so bummed out about that. It might have been, like, Nightmare on Elm Street or child's play maybe they they were able to get all of them except for one of them and <laughs> yeah. always bothered me um all right massacre in dinosaur valley from 1985 never heard of that but i am definitely into that,
1: that yeah that sounds massacre what in dinosaur valley
0: yeah massacre in oh. dinosaur valley that's going to be a severin films release a plane crashes in the Amazon jungle and its passengers must battle their way through cannibals, slave traders, wild animals, and murderous piranha fish to safety.
1: How about that?
0: It doesn't seem like there's any dinosaurs in it, but...
1: That's okay. No, I, I mean... There's, there's maybe a history of dinosaurs in that valley. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. We have some... Sometimes, sometimes... Aunt Martha does dreadful things... 1971 uh, Genesis 2 and planet earth are getting some kind of double double thing double pack pandemonium from 1982 yes. trick baby from 1972 there's a ton of stuff coming out this week Havana no, from 1990 no, no, no. starring Robert Redford primitives from 1980 conquest from 1983 Caller from 1987, Variety from 1983, Crackers from 1984.
1: Are really they re-releasing every new? I mean, the,
0: like the list goes on and on. It's a huge list this week. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll truncate it and just quickly look through, <laughs> just scan through the rest and see if there's anything notable here. And I think I think we already covered all the all the notable ones. A lot of anime and some other some other. Like two packs and collections and re releases and stuff. Anyway, what do we have on Criterion this week?
1: Oh, we got two. One's a box set, and that's the the third installment of Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project that has six films on there. Uh and then the other one is David Lynch's The Elephant Man from nineteen eighty. So even Criterion if you're in the eighties thing. So there you go. All sorts of the movies from the '80s to pick up.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of '80s stuff. Looks like there's a lot of good, there's a f- more than a few Italian releases coming out, like yeah. like uh, Killing Birds, which is Zombie Five. Killing Birds, Vinegar Syndrome is putting that out. A group of students goes into the woods to study birds, and soon the dead begin mm-hmm. to rise to devour the living.
1: It's got uh, a hell of a poster. I know. Yeah. Oh my god, that sounds pretty fucking great.
0: Well, make make note of these because we need to be thinking about what we want to do for our Halloween special.
1: Well, I think it might just be the zombie five killing birds.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we can work it in definitely. I would love to do Italian horror for for our
1: maybe that that might be what we do
0: i would love maybe it these italian
1: are i would love we can, it we can get dinosaur valley get us some killing birds
0: all right uh i think that's gonna do it for this week thank you so much for tuning in you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin and if you have a moment consider reviewing us on itunes that would be very helpful for kevin rickstraw my name is adam patterson we'll see you next week in this pod-